0: I felt inspired to write a blog article. So Dave ran a blog called The Public Apology. It's very funny. And I wrote a piece called How to Make It in Grade Cricket, an Instructional Guide. And so it was the very first uh, conception of this thing. And it was really about all of the unwritten rules of making it in grade cricket. And I didn't think much of it other than it was just a satisfying exercise to do. But it um, it, this is 2012. Like, it uh, it achieved some kind of viral um, result I don't even think it was pushed through social or anything yeah. like that, it's just people went to the website and started sharing the link around and uh, and underneath there were a few um, comments and like one was from Gideon Higgs, uh, which I was like floored by, so, and then another one was from Justin Langer
1: <laughs> <laughs> G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Sam Perry from The Great Cricketer, Sam along with past guest Ian Higgins Runs one of the funniest sports podcasts in the world, if you ask us. They also boast a social media following over 500k and now live the dream, touring the world with their niche cricket comedy act. What started as sending anonymous tweets from the Telstra Towers has turned into a staple of world cricket. The great cricketer are going to be all over the World Test Championship and the Ashes. So if you want to hear how they got started, listen to Sam for one of the best creator stories going around. Let's go. I started
2: volunteering It's all about who you know in sport Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final?
1: You can connect with the interviewer The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision
0: Having a network is one of the most important things you can do I didn't necessarily follow my passion I followed my curiosity
1: Once you've worked in sports, there's no going back
0: And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two
1: Hello and welcome to the sports Grad podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the nomad, Reuben Williams. We had two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in sports. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills, and everything they do that makes them great. Also, you can learn how to get in, get promoted, and get thriving in the sports industry. Rubes, how are you, my friend? You are the digital nomad.
2: G'day, Ryan. I'm doing well, thank you. Yes, I've I've just landed in Bali. It's uh, it's beautiful over here. I'm amongst all the other nomads. I was at a co-working space the other day and uh, they've got this little pool section which I went out to the back of and I was just sitting there responding to a few messages and emails and then, and then all of a sudden this, this girl... Uh, came behind me and started setting up a tripod with a camera and just started doing yoga in front of the pool, in front of like these bamboo trees. So it's, it's that sort of vibe around. So, um, I'm embracing it. I'm all about it. I've gone vegan. I don't wear shoes anymore. I've now taken up a side gig as a yoga instructor and I want you all to buy my short course as soon as this episode is done. So I'm embracing Bali. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Uh, brilliant. Well, it sounds like you, you're right on brand with, uh, with what's happening over there. So, uh, yeah, I would buy that course any day of the week. And I will say I have seen you without a shirt a number of times. That's very on brand as well. Um, so no, we we all hope it's going well over on the Island, mate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Having a good time to start.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Well, let's get cracking into the, into this episode. It's going to be an absolute cracker Follow us on LinkedIn if you don't already. And if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in the sports industry, you can become a member of the SportsGrad community. Speaking of that community, Rose, what's been happening as of late?
2: Oh, man, I think everyone's still buzzing off the, the last few meetups that have happened, which have been phenomenal. But a couple of, wi- couple of wins for our community members. Firstly, Jazz Murphy has just landed a position as a competitions and engagement coordinator at Queensland Touch Rugby. Well done to you, Jazz. Andrew Smith has received a groundskeeping apprenticeship with Cricket ACT. reckon he's on the trajectory to become the next Nathan Lyon, starting out as a groundskeeper before entering the test team. And uh, Daniel Cavallo got promoted from an intern to a human resources employee, experience officer at Mojo Sports. So well done to you, Dan. And uh, lot's happening at the moment. A lot of people up and coming doing plenty of great things. We do have another meetup coming up in Adelaide this week on the 15th of June, and we've got another one in Sydney coming up as well. But if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with Sports grad all the latest events, all the latest stories of how people got into jobs in sport, then subscribe to our newsletter, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter is where you can get that, and that'll be in your inbox every Friday.
1: Amazing, mate. I'm super amped for this episode. Ian Higgins was amazing, so this is equally exciting to have Sam Perry on. So grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Sam Perry. There's a reason Deakin's Sports Management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Nepal Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry and secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Sam, welcome to the sportsco podcast
0: Fellas, uh, thanks for having me oh, Obviously, <laughs> I'm sloppy seconds Higo's he he goes was first But you've had me along And, and I gratefully received the invite
1: <laughs> Brilliant, mate Well, we thought off the top we, We're going to address the elephant in the room Now, um, for those who tuned in to, I know what this is to, Yeah, to, to, to Higo's episode We mentioned the Adelaide incident Um, And I just want to touch on that because basically what happened was, for those listening along who might have forgotten, it was day two in Adelaide Test a couple of years back. Uh, Rubens and I were just chilling in a bar with a mate, sipping on a nice, nice lager, and Sam Perry walks in the door and um, comes up to the table and and says, hi to our mate. And and Ruben, being the fanboy that he is, has just decided (laughs) to go, are you Sam Perry? And you've responded with, (laughs) no. And then (laughs) Rubens then said, no no. I'm pretty sure you're Sam Perry and you said no nah, no nah. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially that was spoken around on the podcast mm-hmm. and we did record that podcast a few months ago and after listening back to it um, I received a text one day and it was none other than yourself saying I need to speak to Reuben." <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to go back to that and and just sort of touch on that night and, and obviously what's happened since because I know you, you guys have communicated since then and obviously there was a phone call so we've made up <laughs> yeah we've made up but do you remember that night at all um I don't I don't really <laughs> to, to be honest
0: and like yeah I, I want to walk it back uh because like I heard that story on the podcast and uh like it just it actually horrified me <laughs> Because it's not um, it's not my game, like, at all to be like that with people. Now, that sounds like something I would say in public with cameras on and stuff like that. But really, like, even that kind of gag, like, is my gag, even if I'd had, like, 15 beers, which I may have had. Like, I, I'm, uh, you know, narcissistic enough that if somebody said they knew me, I would be like, yeah, let's talk, baby. You know, like... Uh, so I was actually really surprised and i I but I have to concede like I don't remember it and so you can't really like have too much uh, uh, like credibility in that situation but you know I'm glad you mentioned that um i I called because I did and uh and then you know and you've conveniently omitted this we have since seen each other and you know I, I was you know I would say quite gregarious you know and, uh <laughs> So you can see, uh, like how much it kind of um, horrified me to hear that story. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you raised it.
1: Yeah, um, it's impacted well, you deeply. Yeah, what? it's just
0: kind of like it's just a real, it would be a real alpha
2: rude thing yeah. to do, you
0: know? Like, <laughs> not uh, your so, brand. So I, I just, while we're here in public, I apologise again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not something that I would do. But
2: it's totally fine. Uh,
0: so I'm calling you a liar.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when when Ryan got the text message, he sees this message pop up saying. Hey Ryan, it's Sam Perry here. And uh, straight away he he shows me, he goes, Ruben, look, you texted me. I'm like, Ryan, have you read the message? And it says like, can you please discreetly give me Ruben's number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Ryan texts you
2: back and then about thirty seconds later I get a phone call from a random number. I'm like, I know who this is. And I like start laughing immediately. You probably said, hi, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) And then you delivered one of the great three-minute apologies, which um, I'm grateful for but was not necessary at all. But uh, we had a great chat after that. So fun moment in time.
0: Oh, I've got to (laughs) say, like – I think even on the pod from memory with with Higos, like, I think he may have even sounded surprised as well because it wasn't, (laughs) like, it's not sort of my style. I can definitely be a dickhead, you know, like, (laughs) after a few drinks, I just have different ways of doing it, not not necessarily that. I I was in Adelaide that that year. It was was a really cool thing um, uh, with my dad going to the cricket, which was – a bit of a special time for us, so I've obviously had a nice day. And, like, the other reason I did that was because we've achieved a level of notoriety, um, like, humbly, where, like, I can... I walk around at the cricket and people will say my name. So if I've got my dad in tow, my dad will then respect me. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think I was obviously out celebrating. Uh, and and then I've decided to, you know, get too big for my boots. I can't just... I, I'm still baffled that I even did that. But anyway...
2: Strategic. Take your parents to the places where you're well known. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They'll think you're a king. Anyway. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Well, we start every episode with some quick fire questions that our, our audience out there can, can get to know you a little bit better. So... I'll kick off with the first. This is something that
2: he guys didn't get to do, so no. you're
1: the first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your
0: first ever job? I worked at uh, as like a shop assistant at News Power News Agency at Town Hall <laughs> in Sydney, which was, um, uh, was underneath the school that I went to. I went to school in the city in Sydney, and so right. it was the first year out of school. I um, assumed the job from my... Uh, Well, I suppose it would be then ex-girlfriend who decided to go on a gap year. So um, that that was harsh. Uh, But um, (laughs) so I got her like News Power shirt and I was, you know, I had the rig at the time to fit into her News Power news agency shirt. And, uh, And then people from school would come and buy, purchase things before school. And I had left in year 12 and they would often... Say, oh, you've become a news agent, have you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was really cool. Like, it was, I actually made quite a few friends there. It was like it was a casual job. It used, used to be a few like five AM starts, like that back in the day. Where, like I'd have to get a four fifteen AM bus from Dremoyne in, Ooh. which would get me in Ooh. early, and uh, to, to like uh, go and grab the physical newspapers and. Mm-hmm. Um, and stack them and sort them and insert the magazines and uh, and you have to do you'd have to get the price gun and do stuff and you know you'd note like who bought their Sydney Morning Herald with a two dollar coin and all that sort of shit so um and, and I actually made some friends and like a lot of a lot of us there were like going to uni and stuff like that it was um I, I thought it was like quite a lot of talent for like a news agency <laughs> knocking around at the time but yeah. Nice. You said quick-fire questions. Yeah. That's too quick, hey. I'll just do it more that's, quickly. That's all right. Yeah.
2: Uh, what did you study at university, for those who want to know your background?
0: Uh, I did a Bachelor of Arts uh, with a major in um, government and international relations as well as sociology, and then I did a uh, Master's in communications um, both at Sydney.
1: Favourite sporting moment of all time?
0: Uh, you know, like, I've, I've been thinking about this... Um, like, i got to be real. Uh, so, like, my favourite sporting moments in, like, you know, what I was most elated and moved by personally was um, North Sydney Bears beating the Brisbane Broncos in the 1994 <clears throat> um, major semi-final at Sydney Football Stadium, 15-14. Um, Jason Taylor, my hero, kicked a field goal in about the 73rd minute uh, to knock out the Broncos, who had, um, to that point, won the last two premierships and um, it's probably more special now because um, well for context Norths had never won a premiership since 1922 they didn't win it that year and then they were kicked out of the comp by the end of the century so I've never seen Norths uh, like since then So and and I can't go for another team so that memory is very special to me but like probably on a more global scale uh, it would still have to be it's cliche but it'd probably have to be Cathy uh, for everything that that meant and you can still you can you can still watch that race and it can still give you goosebumps for everything. Yeah. And and the the run continues to, like, develop context as the Indigenous story develops in Australia as well. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's probably the real answer. But, you know, like in terms of the little boy inside of me, JT, you know, going to field goal all day.
2: <laughs> well, that literally can't be recreated because the team's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah
0: that's right. We're trying to come back. We're trying.
2: We're nice. Trying. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular book or podcast you'd recommend that's helped you with what you do at work?
0: Um, I think two major influences for me have been, um, like, like in terms of podcasts, I, re- I lived in London for a couple of years. We were doing the TJC podcast then, but I really enjoyed, uh, I enjoy a lot of football podcasts like soccer. Uh, and there's an Irish podcast called Second Captains that uh, I've been influenced by heavily just the, the format and the style and um and so that's just from a sports context and also their business model i suppose and uh and then in terms of books um it's uh I, my dad gave me this book when i was like 16 it's a bit cliche but it's called manhood by stephen Bidoff. and it's probably a self-help book he's a child psychologist but there's it's just amazing how much the um the the topics and the themes have um informed even my humour, you know, and a lot of the conceits of the great cricketer <laughs> around masculinity and stuff like that. Because uh, I've always, I think since I got that book, I've always been interested in um, uh, in those themes. And there's a particular part in it about your work and, uh, and how you spend 60% of your life working, um, give or take, and to try and find a job with heart. So that actually was quite inspirational for me in terms of ditching a corporate career to pursue this kind of frivolous yeah. exercise. Yeah.
2: So th- this is where you come to understand the psyche of an alpha male cricketer from this book.
0: Um, <laughs> it's pa- it's part of
2: it. I think I, you know, it's not,
0: I wouldn't say there'd be many great cricketers at the time who'd read Manhood by Stephen Midoff. <laughs> so it was a, like a, probably a unique overlay, you know, to what I was experiencing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like the entirety of the, like a masculine, um. Exploration of the great cricket. It comes from manhood, but it definitely—I've always been—you know—like studying sociology at uni and stuff. It it was, it was a definite, uh, like, it definitely made me way more aware uh, or taking more notice of of what I was seeing because it was a really rich environment and one that I was part of and enjoyed. You know, like I'm making it sound like I was like looking over the top of it. I mean, really, I was in it, but uh, but yeah, that, that that was a big influence. So yeah nice uh are you uh, are you associated with any grassroots clubs at all um look not not at the moment i would like to be my um i suppose that the the nearest i would be is my um five-year-old boy just started auskick uh so we nice. go up to um hansen reserve which is north foot square footy club yeah and uh he's you know two sessions in and i i you know, I did the laps with the boys and, uh, and, 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 help, and help with a couple of the drills. <laughs> I'm not an Aussie rules native, but yeah. um, uh, but no, like my life at the moment is um, is just precludes that. I, I would like to. I genuinely see myself in life getting into that kind of thing. It's a really important thing. But um, my wife works like 60 hour weeks, half of them are night shifts. It feels uh, our work at the moment is heavy, and I have a five year old and a two year old and both boys, and they're. Um, they're spirited uh, yeah. <laughs> children so there's not a lot of time left over at the moment it's just that I think the, the phrase is that it's this not the season of life to yep. be saying to Tori my wife like look uh, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna join the cricket club <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to help out <laughs> no just uh, give a little bit more yeah. of my time yeah to yeah the club. That, that, that's right I think maybe when the boys are old enough and so there's some kind of like concurrent uh, assistance to them yeah i might. Like,
2: so I can I can just picture him kicking the ball to you and you're doing the the JT drop punt dropping
0: <laughs> for him. Drop <laughs> him, back to him. Uh, the poor poor boys, you know, like the Bears are not in the NRL and 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 yet their father is like compelling them to support the Bears. They're you know, in like a <laughs> yeah. lower division. They're, they're, they're you know not even allowed. And they, and what's more, they're growing up in Melbourne, so this this not even doesn't even exist. Yeah, yeah. can't uh, see what you're it, telling it, him it, to go for. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that's right. It's the most tragic thing of all
2: time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And if you could pick anyone's brain for, for 30 minutes, who would it be? Uh, in the um, context of what we're talking about, a guy that
0: I just admire um, endlessly is uh, John Doyle, who's Roy from Roy and HG. Uh, so he's, uh, I think he's a genius. Uh, I mean, Roy and HG in and of itself is the it's not just the benchmark i mean they are the kings of like sports comedy in australia and the the layers they introduce to their work is Mm. um and their their performance dynamic but then beyond that i mean john doyle interests me uh and i admire him greatly because he's a man of like uh immense talent beyond you know like sporting cliche which he's a master of (laughs) like uh he's He's a he's a playwright. He's a director, and he just goes to show that like you can really enlighten a lot of the uh, richness of sport paradoxically through other things. You know, like if it's like uh, that old C.L.R. James quote, like "What do they know of cricket? Who only cricket know?" Like mm. it's the same with sport. You know, you, you've got to know about other things to draw the connections to make it funny. And I think nobody does that better than John Doyle. Their
1: yeah. um their podcast is just off the charts. Yeah. Though me and my brother just send that to each other and we just lose our shit like it's so funny oh they're i mean they 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 just nail it
0: they're brilliant i like 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 truly brilliant like it's it's excellence Mm. and uh
1: i often listen to it before
0: we'll do our show or something uh because it gets you in the spirit of like just of satire and uh and they over time have Um, explain some of their rules behind the way they work you know and that overall goal is to make the other person laugh uh and that every single time um somebody suggests a direction the other body the other body the other person goes with it you can't you can't say no you know which Mm. is a good like Mm. an improv rule yeah uh but i like i like that i like getting under the hood of that a little bit and they're 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 just um sensational
2: Amazing. Well, let's dive into a bit of the work that you're doing with the great cricketer. Um, one thing I'd love to know is when you meet people and they ask you, what do you do? How do you explain that? Struggle, <laughs> actually. <laughs> you know, I really struggle because, um, especially
0: because um, my, my wife is a, um, like a pediatrician and she's an absolute, like, they say down here she's a jet she's amazing uh i really admire i'm very proud of her and you know and i know our kids will be as well and i've watched her work so hard from day one at university we've been together for a while all the way through to what she's achieved and like the other day um uh (laughs) you know we we sat like we sat down with um a financial planner and i have to tell you it's just not my bag that kind of (laughs) thing right like and you know like the guys there in a suit and She's an emergency paediatrician, you know, dual specialist, 60 hours a week, comes home with blood on her scrubs, and he's like, so what do you do? I'm like, you know, like, and you can, like, like, um, give it some credence or, like, credibility by going, oh, I'm a a sports journalist, you know. Like, that's about as good as it gets. A lot of people think that's mud, you know what I mean? I'm not journalists. I say, like... Uh, I say I'm a sports writer presenter, but it's 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 so strange because, you know, really we run we run our own small business, you know, where we're like you know we you could say also managing directors, yeah, uh, you could say um, you know I'm a, I'm the director of a of a. Global digital venture, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I talked about penises the other day, <laughs> uh,
2: so we we'll, saw we'll um, that video of uh, the bloke hitting what five sixes off the last five balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: well, um, but I mean, on LinkedIn, I say sports writer presenter. <laughs> yeah. I well, think Hugo says like Channel Seven TV presenter. Like, we <laughs> yeah. don't even have that job anymore, but um. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a such an amorphous, strange uh, kind of job we have, but it's definitely a lot of hours and, you know, we're mm. into it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Your LinkedIn title's all, to be honest, so whatever yeah. that is, that's, yeah. that's what it should <laughs> exactly. be. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of uh, TJC, uh, we came across a really well-delivered TED Talk that you did for, on, on behalf of AIM, which is a... Indigenous mentoring, not-for-profit, uh, and that was when you were just 26. Hmm. So I'm keen to understand, sort of, can you walk us through some of those early parts of your career and, I guess, you know, what, what it was like coming out of university and how you entered, you know, the working world?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I, once I finished my arts degree, um, I wanted to do something more vocational, and uh, and I really liked that the arts degree was really valuable to me. It was just it was the right thing for me to do. And um, so I, I you know there was a few choices there, and I was steered in the direction of communications. And um, uh, and then I, I I remember speaking to my like like to a whoever was running that course, the professor, and there was an opportunity to like be a legal editor at a place called LexisNexis, uh, which just you know provides manuscripts for legal types and i I asked her is that going to be helpful she's like yeah if you're around language and things like that that would be good and uh it was like it was just an extremely drab and boring job uh i thought that was normal i was like 23 24 like oh this is a respectable thing and i just found after a couple of months i was like wow i really like this I i am not stimulated by this at all and i always interpreted that as my problem you know and uh in some ways, in some ways, I still do. Like I admire people who can be in more kind of dry work and be stimulated by and perform within that, you know. But I then had an opportunity to join a friend of mine who I played new through cricket, uh, called Jack Manning Bancroft, who I had received from memory like a scholarship from Sydney University as an Indigenous man, and that scholarship came with, um, as far as I understand, some kind of funding, and he used that funding to. Uh, create this program called AIM, which is the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience. So uh, he started that in 2005, uh, and I think perhaps it was part-time at the start, and then he was he was taking it to a full-time, um, like, organisation, not-for-profit organisation, and he wanted some people. Mm. And, uh, and so in 2009, I left LexisNexis and joined AIM, and it was, like, four or five years of the, you know, best... Um, experiences that i've had it was just such a it was a a really like um rewarding and satisfying and stimulating job uh it was the the core of aim was that uh, you matched a university student you know from the like the sandstone walls of sydney university often from you know um like private school sheltered backgrounds with local indigenous kids who you know in many cases were the opposite who'd never set foot in a university one hour a week 17 weeks that was the core of it when I joined and a lot of the outcomes there were um really positive you know demonstrably so and uh it was just a and and we were 25 year olds uh having a crack and doing it as um you know like enthusiastically and passionately as we could and uh and it was really rewarding we the aim grew really quickly uh and we it, we took it to a national uh, organization i managed to move to melbourne with it made a lot of friends um in fact you know our major sponsor of the great cricketer budgie smuggler um adam linforth he he's who's ceo of budgie smuggler he was there at aim as well and uh and yeah we just had we just achieved some really really cool things and through jack especially uh i got to see what you know real entrepreneurial spirit looked like and uh i suppose i don't even know if the word like hustle or whatever was around and and i'm skeptical about hustle culture you know and the presentation of hustle culture but that 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 was that whatever whatever the realness of hustle was that Mm -hmm. was that and uh it was it was sensational and not only that on a personal level you know i i was you know deeply enriched um by proximity to and a great understanding of Indigenous Australia. Not that I'm all the way there, but it was really cool. We made a lot of Indigenous mates. And um, so it was a really, it was a really great time uh, for my career, and much more in line with my values and, uh, and it helped teach me that, you know, your working life uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the, uh what might've been classically presented to you by your parents or whatever. So mm. um, I'm really grateful for that experience.
2: And so I believe from there you went to, to Telstra. Yeah, or after all it? that, I yeah, just yeah. then went to Telstra.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy's talking bullshit. <laughs> uh, I did because because um, I uh, – after that amount of time at AIM, which was really like self-starting, I felt like uh, – and, and surrounded by young people, which was great energy and spirit. I also just had this itch I wanted to scratch having got a communications degree around – corporate life you know and working with people who were um you know experienced and serious operators mm-hmm. and the best in their field and uh, i was um yeah like lucky enough to get a job in the what was the corporate affairs team at telstra doing um you know harder as in like more harder skilled tasks around like media liaison and um and strategy and you know, in, in drier fields like finance and strategy and sustainability mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'm really grateful for that experience as well. That was three or four years and I did, I managed, like I worked with people who, uh, yeah, like, you know, if you ever ran for office or something like that, you'd think, oh, you'd love for them to be your comms people. I mean, so there are some very, very smart people working in those mm-hmm. places. Um, it's just, yeah, but but TGC was starting to develop and I... Um, you know, with Steve Bidolf in my head, I, I um, decided to pursue that.
2: Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think it's really interesting for people to hear, like, your, the extent of your comms background because when they listen to you on the Great Cricketer podcast, um, from time to time you deliver these really well put together uh, pieces, whether it was, you know, the passing of Shane Warne or, you know, when racism um, needed addressing, um, you know, you are able to put together these really well formed pieces um, uh, pieces and and speak on the topic really really well and I think some people might just look oh there's, here's a couple of podcasters like what do they know but actually you've got this incredible grounding in in that space which is um awesome to hear where it's kind of grown from
0: oh thanks I mean that sounds like a <laughs> statement like <do> you <laughs> um, yeah uh, I don't know I just think that um I mean maybe maybe that, maybe that's an insecurity of mine at times as well like to um, want to Push back against the conception of TGC as like internet garage mm. penis talking dickheads, <laughs> though we are. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. Uh, so it is, it is nice to like stretch the legs on those things sometimes. And I don't think that, you know, those indulgent monologues are for everybody uh, mm. all the time. But I, you know, I think that, uh, like, I, I guess I, I, I reject the idea that a podcast has to has to be a particular thing, or if you're doing like sports comedy, that you have to fit into a particular style of operation. Mm-hmm. It is it is a canvas, and it can it's our own creation, and uh, it, it should reflect our personalities and what we're about. and And I do think that um, I've always felt with the great cricketer that um, that you know that like as with anything, like um, having some. Like, like soft, strong, you know, or yin-yang. Mm. Like um, you don't want to stereotype yourself as being like, listen, I'm just a, uh, like, I'm literally the alpha guy. Not that I ever am that person, per what <laughs> he goes. But like, you know, like you don't want to be the walking embodiment of the thing that you uh, are satirising. Mm. And so sometimes it's nice to um, bring a bit of like depth and colour and uh, um, thoughtfulness to conversations, put it out there, see how people respond you know and uh, and then i think that just adds a little bit of texture to the show mm. so yeah
2: on that note like how how do you balance the um the uh i guess you know the competing things of trying to be a comedian but also a respectable journalist because <laughs> as our friend Josh Martin told us you know you're a regular columnist for for the guardian right regularly you've done all these other incredible roles how do you how do you balance
0: that oh look i, I don't sit there and and strategize how to balance it like i i uh, I suppose I, I probably won't be answering this <coughs> directly, but the way I conceive of the great cricketer is... Um, and, and people will want to pigeonhole it and say it exists in a certain sphere within the cricket industry or the sport industry or whatever. <coughs> but, like, I think we're probably... Um, all all people who are telling stories about cricket or sport, we're well, probably all in competition. Ultimately, like, sport is two things malcolm knox said this who writes for the sydney morning carol mm. like sport is what happens on the field and then all the talk that happens afterwards and we're part of all that talk <clears throat> that happens afterwards and i think that in the current environment or always people have sought narration you know they want somebody or a, they want to find people to accompany their love of the game their experience of the game and uh and we're offering uh a, a, a narration of of cricket, a way of thinking or well, not thinking about it, but a way of experiencing it, enjoying it, and it very much like is drawn from our experiences playing grade cricket, which is like this, you know, really rich, often toxic, but mainly rich environment of people who spend a lot of time playing cricket. They're very, very invested in it, um, but they don't experience it like um, like you know the like sort of the the fans that marketers want you to be so um yeah like in terms of that balance all we do is just we're just ourselves sorry to be cliche about it Mm. but like he goes brings who he is to the show and to work you know around it and our creative side and i do that as well and i think it's more about you know knowing each other respecting who you are and what you want to apply to the canvas and then just whatever it shows up shows up and thankfully you know what we have put out there has resonated you know with people to a point so, mm.
1: yeah. do you ever think like because as you mentioned there like you you're writing for the Guardian but then as he, as he said like last week you're talking about penises yeah but <laughs> like, do you ever think um you know, hey, some person might think me differently. Yeah, I do about all the time because I've got to then be pretty proper for a newspaper article. You know what I mean? Like, how do you? Yeah. How do
0: fight I? Do? That hey, at yeah, all? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, look, I do. Th- I do think about it, and I think it's going to be an ongoing um, conversation for me. But I try and be philosophical about it. Yeah. <clears throat> like, the truth is that, like, you know, I can uh, like. You know, people. I I'm, I, re- I don't want to be pigeonholed. You know, like the truth is that I like to think thoughtfully about things at times, mm. and other times, suggest that I'll get a cock tattoo <laughs> if Rinku Singh hits five sixes. Um, the problem is that people want to place you into a category, and. Yeah. Uh, and you know that's just the way people make sense of things in in media because we're busy and it's fragmented and it's like okay you're a serious you do you know you do serious cricket you do funny cricket and that's it you know don't get into the serious stuff mm. don't get into the work stuff and I, I mean for us like it's one of the real benefits of being independent you know that we're we're not driven by we don't have an editorial agenda driven by a producer who's answering to sales teams and and advertisers uh if we want to try and blend cock tattoo stuff (laughs) with michael holding racism stuff we can do it and see what happens and i think that audiences find that refreshing that like you can have many layers to your personality where it is a practical problem is On issues of like conflict of interest, you know. So, Mm. um, like, if uh, you know, the great cricketer is doing a marketing camp, is is, is involved with the Cricket Australia marketing campaign about the summer, for example, which we are. (laughs) 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 But if Cricket Australia also does something that I, um, you know want to criticize per- and and you know personally in my own writing for the guardian then i've got a question there like, can i yeah. can i take that job does it does does taking that job uh compromise my ability to speak freely about uh about that sort of thing but i really i start from the position of like we are narrators of the game and we'll do it as authentically as we can. And then other people can decide whether it works or not. And we would pr- try not to get too strategic beyond that.
1: Yeah. Mm. No, I love that. It's super clear that you are, you are yourself on your podcast. But also, <laughs> I also love how you say you're allowed to have layers to your personality. Like mm. you don't have to just be one thing. You're allowed to make weird jokes on a podcast. Oh, like it's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, um, y- you know, one um, – I think one reason – the great cricketer has had some success is that, is, is because a lot of the people who um, prior to us, and not, not like things changed when we came along or anything, but like a lot of people who, a lot of the presentations of cricket or sport are, um, you know, they're vanilla, they're done by suited men who don't actually say what they think. They protect their friends, and it's completely understandable. Mm. They also have to speak or present in a clean way so as to um remain brand friendly you know so we, we experience this all the time like for the brands who don't want to touch us because we do cock tattoo stuff <laughs> it costs you too uh in a way so the fact that I, I think audiences intone that they're not getting the authentic experience like some of the conversations you have with those presenters off air uh Amazing! You just think, oh, imagine, see, I would love you to come and do our show and Mm. speak like that because people would love that. They really would. But uh, if your business model is driven around um, attracting advertisers who are pretty Mm. keen to keep it light, and I understand that, then um, that actually opens up an opportunity for us. So it is, I I suppose if you're talking about a business strategy, like it's actually important to be... um, loose because Mm -hmm. no one else is being loose at the moment i think younger people are starting to do it Mm -hmm. uh which which is really cool to see like i don't want to do it too much but (laughs) no uh, uh and we've also learned that we've tried once or twice to do the like the bigger campaign or the more um you know the more tightly produced piece for a for a network or something we're not good at it frankly You know it's there's too many things that go unsaid like i don't think we're particularly strong vanilla presenters and a lot of people are really good at it you know like they look really good they do it they keep you watching they're good looking you know uh and speak beautifully but um we just we're just we just have to lean into what we're about and just if it works it works
1: yeah Let's look at the the evolution of TGC and I'm keen to understand some of the, you know, the sequence of events that took you from, you know, just two mates with a Twitter account to, you know, hey, let's quit our jobs and and take this on full time. So can you take us back to to that sort of period?
0: Okay. I can take you exactly back. Um, So I had just returned from a great trip to the US with my friends uh, in 2012, I think, and... um, and it was the first, 2012 was the first year I was um, going to miss, uh, I was I was going to not play grade cricket. So until that point, I'd played from 2000 to 2011 or something, including down in, I'd already moved to Melbourne. And uh, for whatever reason, I felt inspired to write a, like a blog article. Um, so you said two, there were three of us um, mm. with the grade cricketer. Uh, and... Um, so Dave ran a blog called The Public Apology. It's very funny. Uh, and a lot of people contributed to it. And I wrote a piece called um, How to Make It in Grade Cricket, an Instructional Guide. And so it was the very first uh, conception of this thing. And it's quite like it still stands up today to like things we talk about. But it was really about all of the unwritten rules of making it in grade cricket. So it started. it touched on the... Um, you know social conventions. What, what? You know, you go up the grades through through rigs, and you know don't like if you're going to do drugs, do the right kind of drugs. Like it's all it's it's really about exposing, um, uh, or like like shine, shine, holding a mirror up to like a lot of the yeah unwritten rules of of cricket in Australia or grade cricket. And um, I didn't think much of it other than it was just a satisfying exercise to do. But it um it, this is 2012. Like it uh, it achieved some kind of viral um, result like as in this is 2012 like this is um and it was put on a website so i don't even think it was pushed through social or anything yeah. like that it's just people went to the website and started sharing the link around and uh and underneath there were a few um comments and like one was from gideon Hags, uh which i was like floored by so and then another one was from justin langer <laughs> uh, <laughs> which we actually uh, put on the screen in a <laughs> Brisbane live show with him there. So I said, you know, if it wasn't for your encouragement, this thing wouldn't have taken off. But basically, like, Gideon and JL wrote something and it got shared around a lot. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, there's obviously some resonance to the idea, to the grade cricket um, prism of viewing the game. And so from that, like, a couple of weeks later, I um, birthed um, the grade cricketer on Twitter, Uh, and it was anonymous and um it was just a a, like a way of um writing like pithy 140 character uh like idea observations and very soon after like one of the tweets it i can't remember exactly when but it it blew up like uh it went to like ten thousand followers or something like that and so i ran it i ran it anonymously for solo for a year uh and it got to it got to something like 10 to 15k followers and um and then I, um, I thought I'd. I was working at like Telstra at the time. Like this was like I'd go get a coffee and like tweet something. <laughs> and after a year, I was, and uh, I told a couple of people I was doing it because I needed some kind of cred, you know, with my friends. But um, <laughs> I, I, was like, oh, well, you know, I'd like some other people to contribute, you know, to this. And so I wrote an email to, and it was actually like seven people, uh, inviting them to. Uh, to submit their tweets and um and he, he goes and dave with only two took it up so the other five missed out uh, <laughs> unlucky guys <laughs> yeah 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 so they, they took it up um and and contributed to the content and they added heaps of content to it and uh the the, the following just continued to grow steadily um do you want me to keep going there like as yeah. to what happened next okay so yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, um and so we did that for a, uh, from memory like a couple of years and to the point where we started to um, – and we're still anonymous the whole time. And we then had an idea to um, to explore the character like more deeply and that was when the idea was born to write a book. And so we pitched a book to I think about 30 different publishers and the like very, very last publisher, genuinely the very last publisher – uh, responded in the affirmative. Most of the others either, like, said no outright or didn't reply. And, uh, again, these emails are being sent, like, at, you know, level 39 of Exhibition Street, Telstra, you know <laughs> I mean? Like, if you're listening, guys, well, you know. Um, and, um, and yeah, so, so Melbourne Books picked it up and we're like, oh, we've got a book deal, you know. And at the time, like, our social following was around, like, maybe 40, 50K or something. So there was something of substance there, like – from which to, like, speak in a hmm. business sense to a publisher and say, well, these people are engaged then. We didn't know how to use analytics or anything like that, but, you know, when we write it, these people will see and then they will buy, you know? Yeah. And, and this guy, David Tenenbaum, great guy, uh, we used to go to his office and we thought, like, we thought book publishing would be, like, this really cool thing. Like, you know, so you'd have this shit-hot editor, like, going through all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, that was not really the case. But um, But they faithfully published it that it was the summer of 2015 and um it, it just landed really well like it became a bestseller it was a, such a cool thing to write such a fun thing to write together we got a case of beer we went to um melbourne university second grade uh what's their ground there uh, at um university oh, oval or university something. oval yeah. yeah let's call that and um <laughs> And, you know, we sat there with a case of beer and we just started talking about the things we wanted to write about with the experience of grade cricket. First person plotted it out and it was kind of like – it was it, it, from memory it was seamless. So my memory is probably bad, giving me a case of beer. But uh, we're looking at guys on the ground and going, okay, that's Nugsy, that's this guy. And you could, we could start developing stories about them and, and what happens in their life. And it just felt really free and cool because you weren't constricted by or restricted by the 140 characters. And we divided up the chapters we wanted to write. Kept it. Kept some deadlines. Met every week on Skype. At this point, the, the Dave was in Melbourne. I was in Melbourne, and he goes in Sydney. We just meet on Skype, and uh, and it, yeah, it became a bestseller. Like it, it, and we still get some royalties from it now. Someone once asked if um if they could add it to like to their syllabus for like school, <laughs> <at> school <laughs> high school, for kids to read. Um, not syllabus, but uh, <laughs> but that that was a big moment for us because even though you know. I don't think, like, uh, Warren Buffett will be telling people to get into books, you know, if you want to make money. Mm. Um, There's still something... It was a really cool moment for us because it uh, moved us from being, you know, pithy tweeters to uh, people who could... Deliver something long form, and then there's respect that comes with that. You get some establishment media respect with that. Mm. So we had the opportunity to go on ABC News Breakfast and talk to Paul Kennedy, which was really cool. Uh, it was really fun. And um, Gideon Haig interviewed uh, interviewed us for a feature that came out on Boxing Day, and we did like a little photo shoot down at um, his at Como Park where he plays for the Yarra's. He said he would do it in exchange for Dave and I playing a game of cricket with him, which we did. <laughs> and so like. And also just writing a book was really satisfying as well. It was just a really great way to, like, uh, immerse in the character and the characters and to show people, like, how rich the world was. And, yeah, like – and and it was just a – and I, I know – I've received so many, like, ill-thought-out cricket books for Christmas from family members. I'm like, well, we could just reverse this. <laughs> An unsuspecting auntie can buy that for her <laughs> nephew who's not ready to read about some of the things yes, that are yeah. in there uh, or niece. So, um you know, so then uh, so then the book was out, and with the book coming out, we um, removed our anonymity as well, right obviously yeah. so, and so that, that was part of the part of it. it wasn't like a great strategy. We are just like, well, we've written a book, and people should know who wrote it. yeah and um, and then we just got on this journey where like we wanted to kind of explore it in a new like medium every year, and it was more about exploration, like it was more. Well, can it work? Like, we were like, can it work on a podcast? You know, can it work on TV or whatever? And so the next one was a podcast, and we had lots of help. Like Richard Hines helped arrange a, um, us to get a little bit of money for doing a podcast on Fox Sports or with Fox Sports. So I would, fl- I would by this time, David moved back to Sydney. I would fly to Sydney every week, like off my own dime, uh, to record in person because we wanted that. Um, we wanted to be able to do it in person for the comedic kind of timing of it. Mm-hmm. And and so then the podcast, you know, was was well-received and the podcast was influenced by the second captain thing I was telling you about. It was kind of like, okay, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit up top about what's happening in the news. Let's do an interview. Let's take questions at the end from the audience. Uh, and, you know, I, I suppose looking back, what was happening was, we, um, you know, I mean, I can't speak for other guys, but um, for me, I was I was becoming, you know, really immersed in it you know like all those little um peripheral elements of the of the venture you know were like you you know you li- I lived and breathed it like little sound bites and editing things and 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 through that love and passion i was developing skills you mm. know so so then i'll go into like the ins and outs of everything with the podcast or whatever but the um we ended up leaving fox going with diamond tina podcast network who which is the Batuta guys? Um, it was it wasn't a big deal. Like it was just it was just a better thing to do. And um, and then the next thing we did was we uh, I actually I actually then moved to London, which was unhelpful <laughs> for the <great> cricketer. <laughs> but my wife got a job there, and I've always wanted to support her career. You know, like um, I'm not going to stand in the way of somebody who's you know like doing something genuinely important <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and has worked so hard.
2: Were you working on the side of the great cricket at this point yeah, in time? Yeah, was was still it...
0: full-time. I was at Telstra and then I, I'd left, I left Telstra. Uh, I, I, then was, I then started balancing like half-time freelance, so doing some writing for The Guardian and stuff as well with half-time. Um, I went back to AIM to help for a little bit, uh, which I'm grateful for. And then we um, – Tori and I got married – and then we moved to London with this job she had because it was like let's take this amazing opportunity. Uh, that she w- what had. year is this? So um, yeah, I'm just skipping through, aren't I? Uh, that was two th- We moved to London in 2018.
2: 2018. So yeah. it's sort of roughly what? 20, so 2012. Can do it, yeah, 12 to 18. You're doing. Twitter account is birthed or like blog
0: blog post 2012. Twitter account 2012. Mm. Boys come on 2013. Um, book 2015. Podcast 2016. Mm. Um, and um, moved to London 2018.
2: Mm. Jeez. Jeez. Um, so what, like side hustle on the top of Still side hustle, time. yeah. Moved to yeah. London.
0: I needed to make money. Um, yeah. we were, I don't think we were making a lot of money back then, really. I kind not remember if we had sponsorship. But um, uh, I worked at a company called DAZN in London. So went back into corporate communications, DAZN, a huge sports streaming mm, company, mm. Uh, which was cool, and, um, and did TJC on the side. We did our podcast remotely. I would get up really early to do it we would do um we would do it over skype no video bit to save on the bandwidth Uh, (laughs) and you know it was a it was a lot of like there was a lot of arms and legs to it like it and it required you know love to do and it was trying but and and not only that but to then i was lining up guests at the same time and you know that to get the guest it was a i had to have skype phone credit uh, <laughs> like that was – and, like, I remember we were, we were interviewing James Sutherland once, who was the then CEO of Cricket Australia, and the, I could see the Skype phone credit running out. Oh. The CEO was on I'm trying to, like, load, like, <laughs> it's like in the 40 British years, it's... pounds on the Skype phone yeah. credit to keep it a four-way chat with James Sutherland going on the phone. And, like, you know, it's – and then we used to, like I, – I was editing the pod back then as well. Like, you'd get all of these files, and I'm not, like – I'm not a – like a digital legend or anything, like, uh, uh, like really not. Like, uh, but, like, you know, getting those files, syncing them up in garage band, you know, getting little, uh, sliding in little sound bites, yeah. trying to fix sounds on stuff, you know. it looked Like, it, it was really, really laborious, but still really satisfying because we got, we were so lucky to have so much um, reinforcement from our, audience online so we just wanted to keep it going it was very yeah and, and looking like we've got so much great equipment and resources now but like there was there was some serious uh like hard yards to mm. get it to stand mm. it up
2: mm-hmm. that is incredible and I reckon if, if your book had made it into the the syllabus of, of high schools, I might have done a lot better in English yeah. rather than to, rather <laughs> yeah. than trying to study a Christmas Maybe. Carol or the Crucible. Maybe yeah. um, give me the Great Cricket Book, and I'll tell you about that. <laughs>
0: we did we did a second book while we we're in London, uh, or I was in London, and we actually had the four, and that that went really well too, and we had the. Um, yeah, the four, we actually launched it at the Oval uh, Long Room, mm. uh, so the boys flew over and we had a launch, and so things were starting to go well, you know, and uh, and then that was the time when the TV rights uh, had switched from Channel Nine to Seven and Fox, so we started pitching for a TV show with both of them, and Fox actually filmed our book launch. <laughs> <laughs> That's sitting on a private, uh, unlisted YouTube uh, on our unlisted YouTube <laughs> channel, but um. We ended up getting a show with seven. We're, Tori and I are like um, conceived. So we moved home, and then, then it was into like the, probably the next phase of TGC. I feel mm. like we talking a long, taking a long time to explain this. So no, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like
2: for us, like we've been through a similar sort of process. Like hearing the, all the background <laughs> of what goes into it is, is super fascinating because um, yeah. well, I, I can totally empathise with the laborious nature of trying to construct a, a podcast mm. because um. In one of our attempts to um, outsource that work, we we went to um, the uh, freelance marketplace, Fiverr. Yeah, yeah to, I've uh, done that. Yep, yeah. to, uh, to find um, uh, someone offshore to help us construct the podcast. And uh, a few people submitted their their entries and this guy called Gorav sent in a, an application and he said, here's a few examples of my work. And uh, one of the examples was of the great Cricketer.
0: He <laughs> goes, told
1: me. This.
2: <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my god, this guy edits the great Cricketer, we should get him on. And so then when we asked then we when we got Higos in, we asked him, Do you know Gorav? And he goes, I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we have your did... you slide dog. Well, get get this, get <laughs> this. So Gorav was meant to edit that episode of, uh, of <laughs> Meta. And we Wow, that would have been awkward for him. And I was listening back to his episode this week in preparation for right. you. And I was like, hang on. I'm pretty sure there's a part of the episode missing. <laughs> and Gorav has edited out the start where we joke about him submitting. <laughs> no! <laughs> Wow, that guy's got
0: balls, man. <laughs> he's got balls to just he's still be work. Is he still working with you? No, he's got oh, right. balls. Just <laughs> And when you were like, we've got Ian Higgins from the Great Britain <laughs> this week, he was like, yeah, all well, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he goes. i <laughs> 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 would never met this guy. I don't yeah. know who he is.
2: Yeah, yeah. so Gourav's getting the raw files of us discussing oh, about him. and kind, of, kind of rate it,
1: yeah. to be honest. No. Yeah sly move didn't mention it so
2: that part of the podcast like we mentioned to a few of our friends like this is like one of the funny moments of the podcast never made it to the show yeah 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 (laughs) um So we'll have to go dig that up. But yeah. It's in it now. G- Sorry, it's, gone good. now. it's one of
0: the like this <laughs> editing can be so laborious and thankless, but you know, it's, it's one of the like the very small graces of editing is you, you just can take out that thing if you think you sound shit or you yeah, don't like yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyway.
2: so we brought that back in house now to uh, avoid any. Can rogue... I swear on this,
0: by the way? Would you prefer Yeah, it? no, it's fine. Sorry, that's fine. That's yeah.
2: fine. Whatever you like. Uh, what are we up to? Um. Cool. Um, One of the other things we want to understand is um, um, like you've been doing this uh, for a long time whilst managing a full-time career, but then also managing like a young family and and Mm. COVID as well. Like Mm. how has um, that work-life balance been for you when you're trying to start something that isn't, you know, got the same routine as say rocking up to Telstra every day?
0: Yes. Okay. Probably two halves. To that, so uh, so I went full time with the grey cricketer when I came back from the UK in twenty eighteen, uh, and and so up until that point, let's say there was a there was a time when TGC was a side hustle and I had a full time job. Um, the work life balance of that, like now that I've experienced the the other one with kids and stuff, it was easy. <laughs> Sorry, like <laughs> um, easy, easy is easy is not helpful. Like uh, I've. M- m- like I was relatively footloose and fancy free, you know. Like I, I think um, I, I didn't work super long hours with Telstra. Like I could have, and a lot of people did, and they're people who get ahead, frankly. Uh, and, um, and so I was just passionate about the work, you know. I wish I had a better word than passionate because it feels really cliche. But I just really, I just loved doing it, and it felt, you know, I felt, I just felt immersed in it so it didn't feel like work you know uh, and and that might be helpful to people who are listening going well I'm trying to get this side hustle up and it's really it's really difficult i was um you know i was really really driven just to make it as good as it could be uh and i and i had a lot of belief in its ability to succeed uh and then but I might I might have answered that differently if you'd asked me that in 2017 because my you know I didn't mm. have any experience of what it will be like to um like balance it with like marriage and two children uh, and mm. that kind of thing because that and COVID because that has been a real um that that's difficult you know mm. the, like I don't have yeah like heaps of time but mm. I. I don't begrudge it either because I chose it. You know, like, I can, yeah, sorry, go on. And,
2: and even, like, seeing all the tournament time stuff that you guys do too, like, particularly during the T20 World Cup and the IPL, like, there's matches every night and then you guys are pushing it out the next day. Like, I know friends who don't get any sleep with kids alone, let alone trying to record yeah. with mm. cricket going on too.
0: Look, you know, I'm, I don't really um, want to be self-pitying about it because uh, I feel really lucky that TGC has got to the place it has. I, I, I hold it really lightly because entertainment is uh, the entertainment industry is very um, superficial and volatile. And as actually HG um, from from Roy and HG says, uh, Greg Pickhaver, um, and he said it on Batuta, Is like, you've got to understand in entertainment. You know, you're on you're on the train for a few stops and you'll be kicked off the train. Now we're on the train at the moment, but it is. Um, you know, like it, it, it can be volatile, but uh, yeah, it like I have like my life life is very full, you know, at the moment, and uh, but but I'm really grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful for my like, and really proud of what my wife does, and she's worked so hard for it, and she has to she has to have the space to be able to do that job, and I also um, want to be a present. Uh, and involved dad Uh, and I also have my own ambitions and it's such a like it's a it's such a millennial um, kind of um, what's the word like it's a you know wanting to have it all is such a millennial kind of uh, conceit like uh, I'm trying to do it it can be difficult at times sleep can be tough at times uh, but I'm really grateful to have all of those things and I'm just trying my best to um, to juggle it all and keep it going.
2: Amazing. Mm. I know we're running out of time, but I just <laughs> want to quickly touch on um, uh, your live shows. Mm. You guys have, you know, you're doing it all around the world now. You did the tour in Australia. You've done India, you're about to do England. Like what what goes into the preparation of these live shows?
0: Um. Well, we, yeah, we're kind of the UK, so I can take it into it now. Um, when you say preparation, do you mean like the the content or the organisation, logistics, uh, all uh, of it?
2: Tell, mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of both. Whatever you think is interesting.
0: Right. Um, well, from the content side of things, we'll sit down like a couple of weeks out, and we will talk about what are the like big ticket items. Say for the Ashes, you know, without wanting to give it away, like for the Ashes, we were like, what are the what are the big what are the the big themes uh, that people will you know that, that we want to touch on, and then we will uh, kind of decide that. So, so for us, like with some, we've there's like two big themes. I won't go into it because some people listening might want to go to the show yeah. and ruin it. So, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going you... in London. So oh, okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> really. Great, great, great. Um, <clears throat> but um, and we actually quite we actually quite separate. Hugo's and I, and how we then um develop ideas from there he might do a like, he might have a bit on something i might have a bit on something and i say like on he goes he, he's just so strong in live shows as well he's just an absolutely sensational performer he gets on stage and just commands uh and i really love like it's, it's one area where like i can walk on stage and sometimes i feel like if i've got nothing i'm like Mate, he goes all he, he goes on nail this you know and uh, and often does and um but in the construction, yeah, like he'll he'll come up with a bit, I'll come up with a bit, and then we'll just we just ensure that it synthesizes into uh, and flows, you know, into the bro- those broader themes that we've decided. So we'll decide the big buckets, and then we'll both bring things to it. Mm. Uh, as for the organisation, it's a labour of love, like and you know, you, we have we have a producer and promoter who will like then sort the tickets out, and you got I don't know, like I don't want to bore people with this, but like there's a lot of back and forth um, uh, ticket. Pricing and discounts for our patron subscribers and um, and venues you got to play and, and or you want to play and they say oh no you're not going to feel that and you go no we will and you know like and that kind of thing and then there's the getting of guests uh, which I'm in the middle of doing for the UK I'm about halfway there okay. uh, the show's starting in like six weeks <laughs> um, and and then there's the other elements like we so say going overseas it's it's like budgeting. Like we have, I have a spreadsheet. We're not very good at it, but uh, yeah, what's how much? What's the? What are the outgoings and the incomings? You know. Mm. So, uh, and I have to say, with, with the, the current state of play with a great cricketer, like I, I, you know, I still like probably a lot of people in their jobs. I spend to, I spend a disproportionate amount of time organizing than I do like, uh, you know, thinking about the core funny or interesting thing to say Mm -hmm. or produce but that's just where we are in our business at the moment
2: (laughs) Mm. well i was at that uh boxing day test match show at the corner hotel and i was there with my brother and a couple of friends and we walked out of the the corner hotel and we both looked at each other going like i don't know what just happened in there but (laughs) i remember having a good time because it was just like sensory overload like the amount (laughs) of shit that was flying up like (laughs) the the gags per minute were just like through the roof and then You know, you mentioned seeing another side to these people you see on TV. I was like, oh my gosh, Ricky Ponting. I've seen an entire new side mm, to him too. Yeah. So they are. It was yeah. uh, incredible what you put together.
0: Yeah, the uh, Ponting show was really special. You know, just to, just to have him, and, and again, like that's have to sort of think creatively about how to get him. Like he, I, I basically traded like Ponting wines ads for his <laughs> um, appearance, <laughs> 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 which like just a brand thing really and so, just cool because the show sold out anyway you know mm. like it sold out before he agreed to do it so it's not like he helped push tickets mm. uh, and I think talking about Ponting ones is, is fine anyway I think the audience will go with it but I just wanted the experience and I did not yeah like he he had his suit on from um from commentary but he removed the seventh pin, you know <laughs> to go out. Which is great. And yeah, he's a you know, Ricky Ponting, he's he's like so universally respected in cricket. You can't say that about a lot of guys who've mm-hmm. performed at the top level. He's just he's adored, you know, all the way down to great cricketers who've had the chance to play with him. Everybody speaks so highly of him. He has a really natural charisma and he also has despite being probably he's probably the preeminent, uh, like living cricketer of profile when you combine on-field attainment coaching and commentary Mm. he really is at the top of the very top of the game across the world including india Uh, he has never lost that like essential grade cricket authenticity you you would imagine he remembers his scores from those games (laughs) and people from it and stuff he just has a a really beautiful earthiness so yeah, I'll, I'll never forget him coming on stage and people re- getting out of their seats and applauding. And he, he delivered beautifully. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah, so that was cool.
1: What's some advice you'd give yourself at the start of your great cricketer journey? Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: get into a legal agreement. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: that was my dad's advice. Oh, uh, that's, that's not right. That's not right, actually. Yeah. Um, advice yeah that's right if your things are going to blow up get into a contract yeah. Yeah. asap and make it fate favor- no um, good. <laughs> um no what what advice would i give myself from the start you know what from a sp- from a practical perspective one thing i wish i had done was i wish i had invested more in my um like uh, d- digital edit- editing and video skills cuz uh, cuz i think that while there's a lot of people who are real guns at it, uh, for, you know, if you want to stand out, you got to get that production side right. I'm not, um, I, I can't do video. I've never got into it or whatever. But I actually think for like when I was 25, I should have, um, I should have really taught that stuff to myself. Graphic design, um, Adobe. I'm getting really nuts and bolts <laughs> yeah. now. I like, can do sound a little bit, but like, you know, like become immersed in that field. It's very, very helpful. Uh, so that, I, I would have done that differently.
1: Mm. Brilliant. I usually ask Ruse what other episodes we can listen to that relate to yours, but I think it's probably self-explanatory. If you haven't listened to Ian Higgins,
2: great episode. I'm not sure if there's any others you'd recommend, but... Oh, well, just go listen to Ian Higgins. Listen, yeah. That will give you the other side of the story and yep. different, more more on the podcast and how that comes together. So episode 213 for yeah. people who want that. Sam, it's been absolutely incredible having
1: you in here we we just love talking to people who are really passionate about what they do and really authentic and chatting to you for what's been an hour and five minutes that has just come across and just hearing all the ins and outs of how you've built tgc is just uh it's incredible so really appreciate an hour of your time mate and uh all the best for the year thanks Ron. thanks
0: Ruben. good luck uh, <laughs> for everything with sports great
1: thank you All right, guys, it's time now for the People's Segment Ask Sports Grad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, simply become a Sports Grad member at our website, sportsgrad.com.au/slash community. Then you can add your question to the channel named Ask Sports Grad. Rubes, this one comes from one of our USA students from our Melbourne meetup who had some fantastic questions. He said, Rose, I've got my own podcast. How can I grow it? Mm. Common question.
2: Very common question. We do get this quite a bit actually. And um, yeah, Mm. I was quite taken back when he came across in his um, burly West Coast American accent and said, hey, Ruben, how do you grow a podcast? (laughs) And um, so one thing I said to him, which um, I don't think he really liked my answer because it's hard work growing a podcast. And um, the answer (laughs) that I'm going to give you now is uh, to do – your work on who your audience is. Because particularly for this guy who had a sports podcast, there are so many sports podcasts out there that unless you have a a point of difference, you're not gonna cut through the noise. So I said to this guy, I said to him, if you wanna grow your podcast, first understand who your audience of one is. Like if you can just pick one person to record an episode for, who would it be? What do they do? What are they interested in? You know, what sort of lingo do they use? You know, how can you talk to them? Um, as though, you know, they feel like you are your best mate. So mm. figure out who that audience of one is and then figure out like what your niche is. You know, what is the edge of your sports podcast or any podcast that you're doing that makes you special? Perhaps rather than recapping the weekly results with coaches and players, you can recap the, the weekend results with absolute nuffies. So you get these biased opinions that are so absurd, but it's kind of funny that people want to listen, like whatever your niche or angle is, um, figure out what that is, because that's how you cut through the noise and that's how you grow. Because I think essentially, you, you know, you can do all the TikTok stuff, you can do all the social media grabs and send it out. But at the end of the day, if people don't want to send it to their friends and it's going to be harder to grow. So great question. Um, the great cricketer are the best at this, um, if you haven't already listened to Sam Berry's yep. episode, um, or sorry, if you haven't already listened to The Great Cricketer before listening to this, then go and do that and you'll understand why they are so popular immediately. But, um, yeah, for those starting out, I would figure out who that audience of one is, figure out what your niche is, and that's going to get people texting it to their friends.
1: Yeah, I love it. We're so flooded with podcasts these days and there's so many people doing the same thing. So I think you're, you're spot on there. It's... You need you need a niche, need an edge, need something that's a little bit different to to what everyone else is doing. So um, I like that idea. It kind of reminds me of uh, of Waitley on Sen, which is one of my my morning listens. groups. He gets nuffies calling in every week, giving biased opinion, and, and he just gets to agree with them or not, and it's quite funny. So
2: there you go. The best of doing it.
1: I love that. Um, yeah, exactly. Jared's doing it. I actually saw Jared on uh, on Melbourne Meetup night. Um, I wasn't calling out to him like you were with Kevin Sheedy, but uh, <laughs> I should have I should have uh, extended the olive branch to come in and, and have a drink. But anyway.
2: Yeah, I'm still flat that Sheeds didn't come into our event.
1: Yeah, it's weird that he didn't. Mm. Um, I would have thought it'd be right up his alley. Mm. But um, if you're listening, Sheeds, you, you're welcome at the next one. Mm, I agree. All righty, Beauty. Well, if you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, Simply become a SportsGrab member. Our community is home to over 500 people who are there ready to help you, ready to give advice, ready to, uh, I guess, just share some of of their experiences through their career in sports so far. Each week, we also jump on virtual catch-ups where it's an open floor to you to ask us or industry professionals any of your questions. All these sessions are recorded as well. So when you sign up, you get immediate access to over 50 hours of exclusive content a massive library just for you to get in the sports industry. So you can find us on LinkedIn. Give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see
2: you next time. Hey, guys. One last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the Sports grad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.